Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. All right. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke 15. We'll more than likely land there at some point today. Uh, before we jump all the way into it, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Braden. I'm the senior pastor here. Really glad you're here. Can we welcome all of our first-time guests? Tell them we're glad that they're here. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'm going to start off just a little bit, just a little bit different today. I um, I kind of felt like I was going to, I was supposed to share a bit of a, a little bit of a journey I've personally been on in the last 16 months. Uh, I, I've shared some of this publicly, but most of it I have not. And uh, this last year. Well, actually, been in the last July or August. Um, I was, uh, I was probably. If you go back to July and take the year right before that, that was probably the hardest twelve months in my ministry life. I had dealt with uh, a lot of disappointment, uh, a lot of hurt and frustration, and it was kind of a bizarre season. Uh, a bizarre season for me, and we were coming up on in August is the is the anniversary of our church, and we were turning. It would be our sixth year, and I, I just was kind of in a weird, kind of just in a weird season there. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me, and uh, in that season, He said, "Hey, in the seventh year, I want you to know something. The seven represents rest." And He said, "The seventh year will be the year where I work and you rest." And I believe that the Lord began to prophesy over us that year uh, of rest. How many guys, even if it wasn't spoken over you, how many say, I'll take that? I, I think I'm good with that one. And uh, I, I found myself just a few weeks away before the, the anniversary date of our church when the seventh year started, the first day of the seventh year. And it was just, things were not getting any better. And I remember going to the Lord and I said, Lord, I know it's technically, I don't know how you feel about the calendar and all that stuff. And I know it's technically not, the seventh year has not started yet, but do you feel like we could start this maybe two weeks early where you start working and I start resting? And I, I heard the Lord saying, because I was being honest, I was just in one of those, have you ever just been in a season where you're, you're just like, I'm sorry, but it's like, what the H? Like, what is, or any other letter you want to put in there? Um it's like, seriously, why is everything not working? Why does everything, everything not going right? And it's, it was just one of those seasons. And so I, I heard the Lord say to my spirit, he said, uh, he goes, I'll start early since you had the courage to ask. And, and I just, I mean, it was interesting because the last several months I've just seen God do, I mean, miracles I thought that could, could never, ever happen. Uh-huh. It's been it's been miraculous to be honest with you, and I can I feel a, a weight of of His glory on this church. I don't even use that phrase a lot, but I feel a weight on this church. I feel a significance about this season. Uh, just the, even yesterday, the Lord began to talk to me about the sons of Issachar and how the sons of Issachar had the ability to dis- discern the seasons. They knew the seasons and the times, and it wasn't just a few of them. It was 200 of these men who had the ability to know where God was going. How many of you guys know this? We can know where God is going. We should know where God is going. We need to believe that God's telling us where he's going. Well, why would God tell us where he's going? Because he wants us to be ready and in the right season, doing the right things, wearing the right clothes, saying the right things. He wants us to be in step with him. And 
uh, what's interesting about that, that season that I went through, because I would just ask the Lord, like, man, what in the world's going on? And, and I remember this. I had, a, I had this breakthrough moment, and many of you know this, where uh, you know this about me. I, I care a lot about parenting. I talk a lot about parenting. I talk a lot about family. Uh, obviously, in this season, we've talked a lot about it here even as a church, but uh, particularly parenting. It's something that's very near and dear to my heart, and uh, I believe the Lord even kind of set Leanne and I up in some ways. I think there's some ways that he had us raised and some things he had us brought in that were just divine, where we had a, we just, we've almost never agreed, disagreed one time on parenting. And I just, I know from experience that that's not the norm. I've been around and, 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 and counseled couples, and it's, that's usually not the case. And I can just see the hand of God and the favor of God and the grace of God on our life in that area. It's, it's a big deal to me. And so he's taught me a lot about himself through that. Well, I was driving to the church one day in the middle of just kind of all hell breaking loose in, in, in some relationships and different things. And I just, and I remember just like, Lord, what is going on? And he spoke to me very clearly. And he said, why are you parenting your home different than you parent your church? And when he said that, it was one of those things that it's almost like every single revelation he had ever shown me in the area of parenting it, he aligned it in the spirit realm with my role as a pastor of this church. And I, I don't want this to come across weird, but I just need you to, I need you to hear my heart on this. Uh, when the Lord sent me here, I, what I had learned is I had not fully embraced my role as a father in this house. I was always, I loved being a son. I loved following instructions. I loved doing what other people would tell me to do. In fact, I'll just be honest with you, it wasn't even my idea to plant this church. A father spoke into my life. He saw something into my life. And so this church exists, not because I obeyed God per se, it's because I obeyed a spiritual father in my life that said, hey, I think you're ready to plant a church. And I was, I'll be honest with you, I was a good son. I was good at following. I was good at serving. I was good at letting him hear God and me just saying, yes, sir, and I'll follow you. I was really good at that. But what I learned is over the first few years of, our, of this church, the Lord was, tr- was transitioning me to, from not just being a son, because let me just say this, you'll always be a son. You'll never stop being a son. But there comes a point in your life when the Lord says, now I need you just like my son did to represent the father, to step into a role of fathering and reproducing your life in other people. And I think the first few years, there was just such a grace on this church. It seemed like everything we did just worked. It's like we could try to screw it up, and it would just work out for some reason. And there was just such a grace on this church. And we knew it couldn't have been us because we're like, we're kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> it's like I know, I know I'm not smart enough to figure this thing out. I've been pastoring with all my heart <clears throat> at another church. Never saw the thing, never saw signs, wonders, and miracles break out like we've seen here. Never saw salvations. Never saw some of the things we are seeing here today. And so I, it was very clear that the hand of God was on us. But it's as if in that sixth year, something changed. It was almost like the, the, the grace was just not there. Things weren't just working out. Everything wasn't just easy. And if I'm being really honest, around year four or five, the Lord began to speak to me about stepping into that role, more into that role as, my, as, the father of this, as a father in this house, not just the, but a father in this house. And if I'm just being 100% honest with you, I think it's one of the only things I can recall in the last 10 years of my life where I know God told me to do something, and I just didn't do it. I judged me unqualified. I judged me too young. I judged me all the things that, and you see, you read it in Scripture, so it made me feel a little bit better when I realized, hey, well, a lot of good people have done this before. When the Lord said, hey, I need you to do this, I went, no. Got the wrong guy. And inadvertently, I had done that. And, and what, hap- what, what the Lord began to show me, oh, this is all in this one moment when he told me, why are you pastoring your home different you pastor your church? 
I became aware of the fact that much, if not all of the pain that I was going through, that I thought was this or that or the other, was actually the consequences of me not saying yes to the word of the Lord over my life. It was me not being obedient to my father. And he took that hand of protection off of me and he allowed me to experience some pain. But, and how many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys have ever had to introduce pain? Because that seemed to be the only thing that would work at the moment. It's parenting. It's what we do. It's what our Heavenly Father did to me. And it was one of those moments where I just realized it wasn't that I was in a, in, living in some hidden sin. Can I just say this? The word sin just means missing the mark. That's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Well, guess what? Getting drunk, it's just missing the mark. Having, a, having an affair, it's just missing the mark. But let me tell you something else. If God calls you a son and you keep acting like a servant, you're missing the mark. If God calls you up and says, you've been faithful, you've been faithful, and now I'm going to promote you, if you say, no, I don't want promotion, you're missing the mark. Your new mark is the new promoted mark. So sometimes you can be in sin and not be like, oh, pastor's living in sin again, huh? No, it, 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 it was the not saying yes to the calling up. <laughs> and just like any hard-headed son, it was like, okay, Lord, I give up. <laughs> I give in. And I, I said yes in, in that moment. I knew the Lord was telling me to start looking at this church more like a family than I ever had before more like a home than I ever had before. And it was in that time, and as you've known, we've, we've just talked about family a lot in this church because I, I believe the church is supposed to look more like a family than maybe we ever thought. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Stay, stay in Luke because we're going to get back there eventually. But in, in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Now look at this. I, I never saw this until just the other day. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. What do you think about what he just said here? He said, in my father's house are many mansions. That's a big house. That's a big house. And he says, in fact, I'm actually going to prepare one of those places for you. So your mansion that's sitting on streets of gold is going to be where Jesus is at. Where it's going to be where all of us are at. But it's all sitting inside. Notice the language here because the language is pointing to something. He, he said, in my, it doesn't say in my father's city or in my father's state. He, he talks about it, because guess what? In, 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 in cities and states, there's government. There's a way that government functions. But he, and he, he, doesn't say, he doesn't say that. He says, in my father's house. I propose to you that there's also a system of government in a house. How many, how many men do we have in here that are the head of their household? According to Scripture. Some of you are like, you know, actually I'm not. I try to wear the pants, and she strips them off every chance she gets and just marches around and... No, sorry. 
You see, as, as husbands in our homes, we're supposed, to be the, we're supposed to be handling the government of our homes, setting the values in our homes, setting a culture in our homes. But he doesn't say in my father's city or in my father's state. He says in my father's house is your house. What is, he, what is, he, what is that language screaming to us? Family. Connection to a father that we were born to be in his house. Then he teaches us. After stuff like this, he teaches us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, if in heaven we're going to be in his house, guess what? On earth we're supposed to be in his house. Connected to him. Forgot to read this in the first service. Ephesians 2.19 says it this way. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints, but members of the household of God. Notice the language. Keith already kind of went this direction. It was interesting because we, we, there were so many prophetic things happening that was confirming that this was a now word, that this was a seasonal word for, for us to continue to talk about. Because uh, a lot of these things we've, we've read from, a lot of these scriptures we've even already read and I'll continue to read, we've read from in the last several weeks. But it's important that we understand the seasons. It's important that we understand the times, that the more I, I want to talk about Father, I want to talk about the Father's house, I want to talk about family, I want to talk about community until it all of a sudden begins to retrain your brain in every area that you, when you think about God, you think about family. When you think about the church, you think about family. I'll never forget, there was a time in my life when I, and I didn't know this at the time, but I inadvertently had begun to view God as the greatest boss anyone could ever work for. It's actually how I thought about God. Probably, in fact, I'd, I'd, I'd go so far as to say there's probably people in this room that that's actually how you interact with him. You have the greatest boss on the planet. You get to work the greatest hours have the greatest benefits, greatest pay. You even got the greatest product. But it's more of a boss-employee relationship. Several years ago, I had an encounter with the Lord that forever changed that. And for the first time ever, he went from being the greatest boss to my father. And once he, once he becomes not just God, listen to the way you pray. First of all, pray. We'll start there. Talk to him. But then when you talk to him, I want you to listen, I want you to listen to the words that come out of your mouth. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you go to pray, I want you to listen to what you're saying and think about how you're feeling. I, I've, I've been around people that they're like, um, and God, um, uh, your master, uh, God, we just say in God, 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 and master, master, master. Some people are, Lord, Jesus, we just this, and Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus. None of which are bad. But just ask yourself, if, if he's just God, which he is God, but have you made the transition to, Father, I thank you. Father, you're so good. Thank you, Father, for calling me son. Only you'll know that. Only, only you'll know what's coming, what's, what's in that, what's down in there. And I propose to you that you may have gone through seasons where he needed to be Lord, because that's a part of it, and he was God, and he was master. But if you're at Lord, or God, or master, or savior, or healer, or any of those other words, which he is, I encourage you to keep going until he's father. 
Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. That's how he wants to relate with us. It's why he, he even calls heaven a house. And it's his father's house. Keith already read some of this in Luke chapter 15. Let's keep on going real quick because I'm running out of time. But uh, in Luke chapter 15, we have been trained that this is the parable of the prodigal son. In fact, in many Bibles, not the King James Version, the original text, it's not there, but in many translations, the NIV, NLT, uh, there's subheadings for certain passages of Scripture. And even the subheading will say, the, story, the prodigal son, the, the, the lost son, the story of the lost son. For just a moment, not that the writers were completely wrong, it is, it is a story about a lost son, but let's let the Bible define the Bible for just a second. Luke chapter 15, in verse 11 then he said, this is Jesus speaking, then he said, a certain man had two sons. Is this a story about a son, or is this a story about two sons? How about let's let the author of this book tell us what we need to be looking at? Because if we're not careful, we'll get looking at that one son that cultures told us we need to look at and miss the revelation in the other son. So we got a story about, say it out loud, say, two sons. A certain man had two sons, and the younger then said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent, out, spent what he had, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent, into his fields, and he was sent, sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Next, this next part, I think it's interesting. Keith alluded to it, and we just exercised it earlier during ministry time. It says, but the father said to his servants. Father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here, kill it, and let us eat and be merry for this son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Interesting here because I think this passage, this shows us some things about the father that if we're not careful, we, we may have missed this. The greatest error of this, of this son in my estimation, at least it's going to be the subject for today's, the rest of today's talk. The greatest error was not that he asked his father for half of the inheritance. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that was the good side of him. I'll, I'll, I'll go so far as to say that was actually a part of him that was good. Where things went wrong is when this son wanted the possessions of his father outside the house of his father. I want the stuff, I just don't want to stay in the house. As a father, this is, this is, some, this is something that I know. In my house, my rules. Anybody else? My house, 
My rules. And it's not a controlling thing. It's, it's a thing. In fact, it, it's, I love watching my kids grow up. I've got a 14, a 10, and, and, and now I've got a, a 15-month-old. Praise the Lord. And um, I actually really enjoy all the, I'm, I'm enjoying all the phases. I'm, I'm enjoying watching my 14-year-old start to adopt the beliefs, the behaviors, the cultures, the values of what we've been, what used to be a you have to do, now I don't even have to say. I love, wa- I love, watching, I love watching these things, these things happen, but can I just say this? It, there, there was no perfect, there is no perfect child, as if I needed to tell you this. And what's incredible is every child is different. You ever said that? You get one figured out and like, we got we got this. And then the second one comes along, and you're like, there must have been an affair or something because I did not make that. I am not responsible for that. And what used to work so good for this one has no effect on this one. (laughs) And you find yourself like, what in the world is going on here? Part of our job as, as husbands, as parents, as, as, when we, as we co-parent, as our wives come along and help us in this journey and, and lead in this journey in some regards, our, our job is to set a set of values and a culture in this home and say, look, I, I want to bless you. But I also know that it, there has to come a point that you, some, some of what we know is best for you gets down on the inside of you because you're not always going to be in this house. And at some point, I need you to get out of this house and take the values and the, and, the, and the system of beliefs that we've put in there, and you go do what I hope I'm doing, which is putting goodness in you. Now you go have sons and daughters of your own. And you continue to reproduce this. That's the, that's the goal. This, this father, just by, just by some of the things, now let's keep reading because it gets more clear, that this father, he's got rules in his house. This father is always in training mode. He never lets an opportunity pass by without being the father that he's supposed to be. How do I know? Well, first of all, his his youngest lost son comes back. And he goes and gives him a hug, but then he realizes, wait a minute. I need to teach the people that are in my house how to do this. I want to show them how I feel. I want them to start feeling like I feel. I would love to be the one to put that robe on him. I would love to be the one to give him those sandals. I would love to be the one to do some of this, but I'm going to bring my other servants. I'm going to bring my other sons along on this journey. He said, hey, everyone, get involved in the heart of your father over your brother. Get involved. He's training them to think like he thinks. He's training them to love like he loves. But let's keep reading. It says, now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf. But old boy threw a fit. The Bible says he was angry. And he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. Let's just stop right there. I love this. You have, you have two things here. You have a son who recognizes that he's done wrong, and he starts coming back to his father, and the father goes out to meet him. But then you've got another son 
that's having a temper tantrum, digging his heels in the sand and saying, I'm not coming out. I'm, I'm not coming in. What's the reaction of the father? I love you enough that even in your stubbornness, I'll still come to you. This is our father. This is our heavenly father. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years. Now, think about why he would be saying this. Because I, I propose that in the language here, the son is fixing to reveal why he thinks the father should be more proud of him than he is the other one. He says, Lord, these many years, I have been serving you. Where do you, think he, where do you think he got that? Where do you think he got that serving would be a good thing from a father that taught him how to serve? First of all, if you go back to verse 25, notice this. It says, now his older son was where? In the field. He wasn't at the country club. He wasn't playing golf. He wasn't on endless vacations with all of his other rich friends because daddy just kept shelling out the money. And while daddy kept doing the work and making the money, sons just got to spend the money. No, what is he doing? He's training his son. You want to know how I got to where I'm at? Go chop some cotton. <laughs> Go bust some cuckleburrs. Go build some fence. Go milk some cows. Go plow. Go Go... Go work. He had a job in his father's house. He had to work in his father's house. His father was training him. I, I'm just going to tell you that right now. That'll go a long way fixing a lot of things today. Have him work. That's going to go on. I'm going to get on a soapbox so big I'll never get off if I start down that road. So he answered his father, Lord, these many years I've been serving you. Where do you think he learned that from his dad? I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. Obedience. He, he, in other words, he's like, I'm, I'm doing the things you trained me to do. I'm serving. I'm, I was in the field when I found out about this little party. I'm working. I'm serving. I'm obeying your commands. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, this other son of yours, notice he ain't his brother anymore. That's your boy. As soon as this son of yours who's devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. I, I don't know if you've ever, ever had this thought, but I've literally had this thought. If I could just take all three of my kids and just pick a few things out, I could make one really good kid. Anybody else have that thought? Like you, some of them, like if I could just get rid of that and him or her and then get some of this one off and get a lot of that off of that one. Just squish it all together. Why? Because every single one of our kids are different. Every single one of our kids has weaknesses, but also every single one of our kids has a unique way of expressing the Father. Just like us, they were created in His likeness and image. And I propose to you that that same thing is going on here with these two sons. If you look at these two sons, you've got to ask yourself, not what did both of them do wrong. What were the things that they did right? As soon as his son came and devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make Mary and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive, again was lost and is found. What does this father say to this son who says, man, I've been serving, I've been obeying, I've been, work, I've been doing all of these things. Did he say to him, 
I never wanted you to serve. No, he didn't say that. I never wanted you to obey. No, he didn't say that. Does the grace of God, does the goodness of God mean we never have to obey God ever again? Does the fact that his mercies are new every single morning mean that we need to party every single night? No. So he didn't didn't scold him for his serving. He didn't correct him for his serving. He didn't correct him for his good works. He didn't correct him for his obedience. He said, yeah, but you forgot this other thing that your other brother had. He knew my heart. He knew that if he just asked, I'd give it to him. I propose to you, you take these two brothers and you put them together. Get rid of the the brother that didn't want the rules, that didn't want to serve, that didn't want to obey, that all he wanted was the provision of God without the house rules. But take his willingness and his understanding of the heart of the Father to say yes and to be good, even if you don't deserve it, even if you didn't earn it. Take that and partner it with this other son who's in the field working, saying yes to his assignment as a son, serving in the house, obeying the commands of the Father. That is the picture of the sons and daughters that we're supposed to be. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. You have not. Let's say you have not because you serve not. Have not because you work not. Let's say have not because you don't obey. No, you have not because you ask not. To understand what it's like and to enjoy the fullness of the Father's house, being in the Father's house, we've got to look at these two, these two men and say, where did they get it right? Therefore, what should my life look like? And for many, I think it's, I think it's a, a religious spirit at, at times, that says, which is why we call it the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son. We, we only talk about the one that will, this is the one that went off and wasted all this money. And, that, you know, that's why you don't need to give, that's why you shouldn't just have too much stuff. I tell you what, there ain't nobody can handle good stuff. You start getting too much stuff, boy, it'll get to your head. That's why I like this pickup here with these, these, these manual locks and manual winders. You won't get all fancy with your roll-up windows and push-button stuff. No, you got to stay humble. I don't know where that accent came from. <laughs> I just think we sometimes leave out. We want to. We, we. You know why it's not the story of two sons? Because secretly we pray. We praise the other son. And I don't know why dad was so hard on him. He was working. He was serving. He was doing. He was toiling. He was working. He was laboring. He was serving. Oh man, he need, Why didn't he get a ribeye? He couldn't even get a little goat meat. We have to understand that we have a good, good father. And if we'll just ask, ask yourself this question. Have you ever asked the Lord? Say, Lord, because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter, I'm asking you to heal me. Because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter, I'm asking you to heal my family. Because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter, I'm asking you to fix my marriage. Because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter, I'm asking you to fix the situation of finances. 
Do you have the courage to even ask? Do you think you're even worthy of asking? Do you think you're even in the position to ask? Or are you, is your mind so full of what you're not that you've forgotten what you are, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? talking about the Father's house, living in the Father's house, not afraid to ask, but willing to serve and willing to obey. I think we've all got a place somewhere where we can say, you know what, I got, I got to grow up in that area. I got to get better in that area. I've got, to stop, I've got to get to a place where I'm changing my behavior, not because it's going to get me saved, because I want to be in his house. Notice what happened. The youngest son, when he left the house, eventually the goods ran out. The goods ran out. And I, I'll even go so far as to bet that I bet the, the, the dad had heard about it. Rumors started coming back. said, boy, your son, did you hear what happened? He moved to Vegas. Stopped in Colorado on the way to get on the way there and got him some free weed or some legal weed. Mm. Them Democrats. <laughs> no. I'm an idiot sometimes. Uh, but I, have you ever wondered? I, I, I suppose he had heard. I'm guessing he had heard this was a man of wealth, man of influence, kind of probably knew, knew what was going on. And he was waiting on him to come back. I think he was waiting on him to come back because he had heard. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to bail him out because I need him back in my house. Some of you want the Lord to go, you want to sit out there outside the house, outside of serving, outside of obeying, outside of working and going, can't you see I'm eating with the pigs? And he's like, I know. Remember what it was like in my house? He's not puni- he's not con- he's not just continuing the punishment. He's just keeping the heat on you because he knows what's best for you. He knows serving in his house is best for you. He knows obeying his commands is best for you. He knows getting off your butt and working to advance the kingdom is best for you. And he waited for it to run out. And then you know what he did when it ran out? He waited for the sun to get back in the house. Then he went overboard. He went overboard, lavish with more possessions. I don't know if he'd ever worn that robe before, that ring or those sandals. Or, that might have been the first ribeye the boys ever had. But he went overboard as if to say, hey, don't do this again. This house is the best place for you. Obedience is the best thing for you. Serving is the best thing for you. We belong in his house. We were made for his house. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.